It, bringing us back to the top of the show, we talked about uh, negative play experiences that are in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And I, my favorite mechanic in this game is actually something that eliminates a specific NPE in almost every other minis game. Howdy folks, Craig here. We've got an in-depth look at Marvel Crisis Protocol. Ray teams up with the guys from Three Men in a War Game, and they talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly about the game now that all of them have gotten several games under their belt. Anybody who has had any interest in this game should listen, because not only do you hear about the good stuff, but you hear about some of the problems that these guys have with the game itself, and they also talk about what the future of the game looks like. Enjoy! strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. All right, what is going on, everybody? Ray is here on the third floor, and today we have three guests from a fellow Raleigh podcast troupe. That's right, we are talking to our good friends, three men in a war game. This episode is going to be all about Asmodee's newest game, Marvel Crisis Protocol, but we're going to start out with some quick introductions from our three guests. First up, we have Paul Regina. This guy is directly responsible for my ADHD in gaming. Paul, welcome back. It's been a minute. What are you working on right now for the tabletop? Hey, Ray. I'm I'm super busy. Uh, as, as our three men longtime listeners know, I've been working on some historical stuff for a rule set called Chain of Command. So nice. I've been I've been building up a, a army of, of well, not an army, but a platoon of Germans. Uh, to stop the forward advances of the Americans across France. The Germans, you traitor. Why am yeah. I not surprised? Smithers, it's the Germans. <laughs> and next we have Chris Potter. He's another local to the Raleigh area with Paul, Craig, and I. We've been gaming together since, uh, I don't know, War Machine's 2nd Edition. And Chris, you're also co-helming the MCP scene at our local gaming store. How's that been going? Uh, it's actually been going pretty good. Uh, we've... Uh, we started a couple weeks before Christmas, uh, so we, you know, obviously with the holidays and stuff, it's been a little lighter turnout. But we've still been getting plenty of people coming out, getting stuff painted. Uh, people are really enjoying the game. Uh, last this past last week, actually had some folks try out some of the new uh, raid mechanics with the Ultron mission, so that was really cool. Oh, awesome! And we're definitely going to get back onto that sometime a little bit later in the podcast because I do want to talk about that Ultron thing. But last, certainly not least, though, we got to introduce the infamous Chops, who is responsible for most of his listeners going broke from trying all the games he hypes. He's infectious, and his passion is probably unparalleled among the four of us. He may also be the only reason I actually pick up this MODOK model, because I hate MODOK in the comics, but he insists it is the most fun model that he's ever painted. So, I don't know, maybe after might actually invest into that. Chops? How's everything been going with you? It's been going awesome, man. And uh, that is the absolute truth. Uh, Modoc is quite possibly the most fun I've ever had painting a miniature. Certainly the most fun I've had in the last year or so. The model is amazing. This game is amazing. Uh, 
And that's pretty much what I've been up to. It's just been Crisis Protocol, Malifaux, and uh, starting to dip my tippy tiptoes into infinity. Oh, you know, I just, we're not going to derail too much on this, but one of my buddies locally has got me recently into infinity. And of course I pick like the hardest army to play and I'm um, playing the, uh, I think it's the JSA, the Japanese succession army, the one that's a melee army in a game that's all about shooting. So yeah, at least, at least they have stealth on their side, but yeah, they, I'm also playing a tough army in the Shesvasti. So Go us playing hard mode right from the I start. I know, right? Can't, can't do anything easy mode. Mm. So over the next hour, we're going to go over Marvel Crisis Protocol and how we're feeling about it. We've got three expansions. We've got some more table time under our belts. And just as a quick rundown what we're going to do tonight, everybody, we're going to go over the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to go over what's really working with this game, why it's hitting all those hot buttons. But we're also going to point out what's not working and any issues we're currently seeing right now. We're not going to dwell too much on the ugly, but there's a couple of disconnect with a couple with a few of the rules. We're going to go ahead and talk about that. And then we're going to wrap everything up on some high notes with our favorite moments that we've had so far playing Marvel Crisis Protocol. Anything that makes the bad and ugly basically not matter anymore and just kind of conclude on the highs. So right up at the top, gentlemen, the good. And there is a lot of good to be had here, but we're going to try to stay away from the basics if that's all right with you guys. Our listeners... Fellow Floorheads, if you haven't already checked out our episode with Fury's Finest, I suggest you do so. We go over all of the basics on why you should play the game. So we're going to assume you already have a little bit of cursory knowledge coming into this episode. We'll put the link in the show notes, or you can help your favorite podcast streaming service and find it there. What we want to do here, though, is get into a little bit of the nitty and the gritty. And in two points in particular I want to talk about is the pregame and the combos that exist in the game. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on the best part or the most fun part of the game that you're currently cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over right now. So Chops, lead the way please sir. Let's hit on that pregame depth a bit. How awesome has that been shaping up to be? Honestly, uh, of my two favorite things about the game, the pregame is w- is one of those two. Um, it's just, it's so saucy. You know what I mean? You bring 10 models, you bring eight crisis cards, you eat or eight of the team up cards. You each bring three of each crisis type. Uh, after that, that pregame priority role is where all the, that, that juiciness and that awesomeness happens in that once the player with priority chooses either their secure or their extract, uh, now you've got the game on, right? Because you've got your 10 models. And once those cards get flipped up and you choose them, that's when you're going to be hiring. And since that's when you're hiring, you know the cards your opponent brought, you know the models they brought, and you know the objectives you brought and what they brought and what they flipped. So only at that point do you hire. So there's all this play and counterplay. And one of the coolest things is you could bluff and and do things with your objectives. Like let's say, for example, you really want to play a 17 threat game, right? But you flip into Wakandan herbs and you know you have Black Panther and Black Widow in your squad of 10. And so you, since you flip that card, you're like, you know what? I need this Wakandan herbs because I have two models on the table that can do this with ease for me. And then I can just play my other things so that I can throw my opponent's models off objectives and take them off. But you've only got 15 points to work with. But then you play that hoping that your opponent flips either a 17 or a 20. You know what I mean? So you can get that full thing. So there's that like risk, reward, push, pull. And there's just so much counterplay in between knowing that you've got those 10 models and that in general, you're not going to have more than six when you come into a game. Uh, And I I just think that 
it allows you to have like there's almost a game before the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I and I 100 percent agree with you on that. And I would almost hazard to say. And that the pregame is almost as intense as the on-table game. And that's one of the things that we have like in Malifaux where it's like you make some really intense decisions before you even start putting models on the field. And that's one of the big draws for Malifaux, especially like in our community. I know that, you know, Chops, you probably feel the same way about this. But it's just, it's it's you're already got to be locked in walking up to that table. And like you see your opponent's crews, you see the 10 models they pick, and you're like, oh... You brought those guys. All right, let's do this. <laughs> exactly, and and also like the wacky stuff that the two the the secure and abstract can actually make. You know what I mean? Just because oh, yeah. you're always going to have one sort of sit on a button or push a button, and then one grab something and move objective, and then how those square with the six different objective deployments. It just really creates this. Uh, interesting mesh of things that can happen. So you have to be really careful about those 10 models you bring. And you also have to be really cognizant of what your opponent brings, right? Because if, for example, they they have MODOK on their side of the table, it's probably best for you to not load up with like Black Panther and Cap because you know that their biggest strength is their armor and that MODOK can just eat through it. So you have to be careful about deployment. Playing both of those models possibly isn't a great idea. And there's just all these little things you have to consider if you want to play your best game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not even bef- that's before we even talk about any kind of considerations for terrain on top of that. This is just like, hey, I'm looking in your box, you're looking in my box. Right, exactly. And like so another thing about that and like Chris, I want to kind of get your opinion on this while we're talking about this pregame. Um the one of the things that I find like that's been really kind of cool is that the team up cards that everyone you know what your opponent has so it's not really a surprise right yeah i mean that's that's something that's nice compared to like what a lot of us have some background in where you're walking in blind you know kind of like that malifaux feeling like you guys were talking about you know because everyone can build a custom you know a build you may not know the strats and schemes coming into it this affords you a little bit more where you can kind of prepare and not feel like you're on the back foot if you bring something that's just going to completely you know be countered by your opponent's list and then you know you're just not having fun at least with this you can go in you can build those you bring those team tactics cards and you know what's going to happen and and you can at least build something that's going to allow you to have some fun on the table which i do enjoy yeah absolutely i think all of us here can agree that the worst the npe the not positive play experience type thing that's like that's the killer for miniature mm-hmm. games especially for new players yeah 100 percent. yeah and this game is severely lacking in npe like <laughs> There's just not a ton of it to be had. I don't know, man. When I see Modoc on the table, I'm already ready to flip things. <laughs> there's ways around Modoc. Well, I mean, sure, there's ways around everything, but like, I still want to rage flip as soon as I see that dopey head on the table, man. You're welcome, Ray. <laughs> Thanks. People were saying the same thing about Hulk, and you know, now people have learned how to kind of get around Hulk. So, you know, give Modoc some time. People will figure it out. I'll give everybody a little bit of secret tech. You want to pull models that can absorb power. Like the the way to counter a Modoc isn't just to take him down fast because he's pretty shitty on his second side. It's also being able to pull power off him because if he doesn't have six power when it's his activation, he's not nearly as effective. Right. There's no chair of death coming at you if he doesn't have power right. to use it. Right. Yeah. All right. So speaking of the chair of death, then let's talk. Let's, I mean, just in general, superpowers and strikes. Let's talk some combos here. 
Um, Because at the core of every big fight in the MCU or comic books is kind of the idea of teams working together and doing things. But we don't really talk about, like, the chain of attacks that, like, a single character does. It's always like, you know, hey, look, Captain America and Iron Man doing their shield blast thing. Or, you know, the... the, the, God, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. One of you helped me. The Wolverine Colossus. The Fastball Special. Fastball Special. So everyone's always talking about that. But And while we do have that with those team attack cards in the game, I think the thing that I really like is that the comboing of superpowers and attacks on a single model feels almost like a video game in how you can just kind of chain really cool abilities one after another and have these really dynamic, really awesome turns. Oh, 100% on that one, man. Um, not to cut you off. Um, no, you know, no, go. Just uh, I love uh, playing Spider-Man and Hulk together. Because with the shenanigans, with the pulling and the pushing that Spider-Man can do and being able to set those pieces up for Hulk to come in and just smash, it, to me, is perfect. I mean, yeah, you're not, you don't have the team-up cards, but I feel like their powers together with those two side-by-side side, or at least near each other, they team up and they, they work off each other's strengths and weaknesses so well. That's a combo I love playing with. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I think my one of my favorite combos right now is um actually Baron Zemo with crossbones. And mm-hmm. you know, I like just putting them out, putting them out on yeah, a flank man. man the two of them together they just like their movement shenanigans combined together just seem to really work well especially with that like master tactician I think it is that Zemo has. Yeah, I mean people people are always praising Cap for his tank ability. Like don't sleep on crossbones man. He's one of my oh. favorite models in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and- he's He's just slow as molasses. Yeah, and, and Crossbones really, like, were his bread and butter, too. Like, I don't know that I'll ever leave him out of my 10 because he's so valuable in the deploy- the deployments where you have an objective three away or, like, four away from the table, right? So when sure. he's in slow of being able to get and stand on an objective, he's so strong because the second somebody tries to knock him off that objective, he just kicks their teeth in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's and he, totally and, he, and he jumps right back on the objective. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, do you have any like favorite combos in between characters right now or any character that just combos out well that you really enjoy? I I think my favorite thing at this point is just the fact that you can take them and combine attacks and superpowers for combos within a single model. Yeah. Uh, for instance, Doc Ock, where he can just pick something up, throw it into your face, and then just continue to pummel you uh, because basically the the throwing of an item or a a terrain piece is is just a bonus for him um and then he still gets all of his attacks so you're not sacrificing to do that cool extra thing yeah and he just lays out the damage because like you sit there you throw you lash some tentacles throw some lasers out and like bye bye birdie yeah exactly exactly that's what's nice about it let's say if you want to know another good combo since we're still talking about the combos is modok and aim lackeys so if you think about something that your opponent is not going to see come in turn two, turn three, turn four, imagine this for a second. Killmonger loaded up on power. You use aim lackeys to throw him anywhere, literally like anywhere on the table because he's going to be in range. Uh, and, and he's coming from out of somewhere where he might not be in range. So your opponent might not be, might not expect him, right? You. So you throw him with aim lackeys where he needs to go. Now he can charge and black ops if he's got some power. So we're talking about uh, and then if you play Usurp the Throne and Black Ops, he's rolling nine dice on that first attack. Oh, my God. And then when he attacks the second time, he's also attacking on nine dice, even if you're using his basic attack. 
That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so just like the like you said, the combos, man, they can get real fun. And let's not forget, Red Skull can give people a second turn. Exactly. Yep. All the shenanigans that happen with that Red Skull thing, just in general. Like I find myself, I I understand why they made his Cosmic Cube power cost an action because if that didn't cost an action, his already ridiculous combo shenanigans would just be absolutely busted yeah and also like you know cosmic invigoration requires you to be within range two of red skull so you sort of give the game away uh like, a little bit you can telegraph it or you will telegraph it i should say yeah but what are they going to do about it save like dazing <laughs> your character like hey congratulations red skulls here i threw my other dude up guess what's about to happen <laughs> it's true yeah yeah or the the time it worked out best for me it was uh Modok activated, did two chairs of death against Hulk, and then garnered a whole bunch of more energy from from taking attacks. And then Red Skull removed his activation token, so then he activated again and chaired Hulk two more times. Disgusting. Yeah, that's that's called living the dream, right? Uh, that yeah, or unless you're the person with Hulk, in which case you're living the nightmare. <laughs> well, you can ask Craig about it. <laughs> uh, I will, I'm, and I'm sure he'll just get the Arcanist face, you know. All right, guys, good stuff all around. I think it's time to take a quick break, but when we get back, it's time to go to the dark side and get some cookies. So we're going to look at what's not working for the game for each of us. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, welcome back, everybody. And now it's time to talk about what's just not working for us right now. We're not talking about rules issues or anything like that. We're talking core game mechanics. And I think Paul and I have kind of a similar view on one aspect. So let's start there. Paul, talk to me about these damned objectives. Uh, all right, the objectives. Here's the thing. I feel like they went and and they, they created this with a good heart. Sure. And they really wanted it to be good, but I feel like it's definitely the weakest part of the game. So with the objectives in the game, there's uh, two different kinds. There's there's basically a, a take and hold objective, and then there's an, another type of objective where you pick up an item and you're running around with it. The problem that this creates uh, is that you end up with every game rush to the objective that you're going to stand on and stay there. Right. And sometimes that's going to put you in a situation where you're going to have people fighting over it, which is great. 
Sometimes, because the objectives are randomly placed on the board, you might end up with one extremely close to your deployment zone. So somebody's going to deploy, move once, and that's all they're going to do for the rest of the game because your forward fighters aren't going to let anybody through. So now you have somebody that's just sitting back there who is maybe not doing anything to contribute to the overall. But my thing is that regardless of the uh, all of the objectives in your core set, one way or another are going to have you do a rush and hold. You're going to try to get out to that objective as soon as possible, and you're going to try to hold it, um, which means that you know where everybody's going, you know exactly what they're going to do, and you can see who they're going to send where, and, and you can prepare for it and you can work on it. And it, it kind of creates a situation where the gameplay ends up being a little uninteresting because of that. Right. In Malifaux, you have a lot of objectives where you don't know where a person's going to go to try and, you know, plan an explosive on a terrain piece. Yeah, exactly. Whereas here, it's always going to go to the same places. Plus, you only have, well, not only have, because I guess compared to other one, other games, it's a, it's a better situation. But you have the random placement of the objectives, but you could have two different objectives with your objective markers in the same spot. Oh God, that kills so me. then not only are you rushing to holding camp, you're also rushing to holding camp and you're able to pick up the other objective. And that, that part for me, I think like I, I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent agreement with you about the Russian hold. But for me, what really, really like what really grinds my gears is that <laughs> is what you just said there. And that, Hey, they both happen to have a very similar deployment. And so now we have three objectives across the center line that we're all going to rush after. Whoa. Right. And, and what I'm hoping is that we're going to see long term. I'm really hoping that we're going to see maybe a different objective type. Yeah. And possibly even more of these cards with the objective placement. So this way there's eventually more variety instead of, instead of always ending up on, on the similarities of it. I um, agree. I, the, I might, or I should say I'm the same hope. The downside to it is that the objective cards you get as you buy models. Uh, yeah, if you're true. not into playing Pokemon with this game and yeah. buying everything, you're at a severe lack of objectives. And well, so playing the uh, the ever the optimist, I suppose like what we could what the best case scenario to, for that we could hope for, like looking forward, is number one, and we've kind of seen this already with the with the Killmonger Black Panther set where the objectives would one at least one of the objectives was a little bit more dynamic but the fact that they have like the red blue crisis cards referring to two different styles of objectives maybe they introduce like a green that's a secret objective type thing yeah right and that's what i'm saying by hopefully they they introduce a new style different styles of objectives and maybe and and maybe even an objective pack right like so that way you don't get you don't get stuck sure. if you know you don't want to buy modok <clears throat> but if 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 they release an objective pack then who's buying Buying the models, right? I mean, everybody who wants the models. <laughs> these these models are gorgeous. Right. Yes, fine, but this is this is Fantasy Flight and Asmode. They're not going to put out an objective pack. They're going to make yeah, you buy that's the models. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that's let, let's let's not say that because Fantasy Flight has actually just done that with Star Wars Legion. After the game has been out for over a year, people have gotten a lot, most of the models, you know, now they've released, you know, card packs for their unit upgrades, you know, um, you know, their grenades, their, 
uh, all those kind of different things that you can get, like you have where you can get your ta- tactics, your all those different upgrades you can put on the units. There's now a card pack for those, and that's a fantasy flight game. The difference there, Chris, is that th- that was done specifically so people buying into the Clone Wars packs wouldn't have to buy the original core set, which is the, which would have been the only way to get some of those cards. Right, but there, uh, all I'm saying is that in the future, a year down the road, after the game is a lot more established that there's the potential that we could see something like that. Yeah, don't cross don't cross it out necessarily yet because you know, we might get lucky and they might do the right thing basically. I'll I'll eat a sock if they do that. We got that on tape. Yeah, for sure. I'll make you eat the sock if you on video. <laughs> uh, and, and just to go back and this doesn't help with the like the Pokemon collecting critique, but I think just as an example, if you look at the Hulk secure and Black Panther and Killmonger extract those two together play very dynamically uh, as opposed to the ones that are in the core set. Now you, you can make the argument that the stuff in the core set was really meant and is aimed specifically at the largest general audience possible. And they sure. don't want to make those objectives super complex for people who are already putting minis together for the first time. But then now think about the gamma wave sweep. That one has three objectives across the center to my deployment to yours. So the vertically across and they're worth more, the further you get away from your deployment zone. And then the one that's in black Panther and Killmonger, you have to go to your opponent's side of the board, pick something up and jump back to your side of the board. And if you play those two together, there is none of that rush to an objective and hold it except for maybe your one point objective in the Hulk one. Right. But honestly, even that is to your own detriment because then you don't have a model contesting the two or three point ones. Yeah. So, so what, so what you're telling me, Kevin, is that if I'm lucky enough to play somebody who's bought the models is having the opposite card color from me. And I also bought the model that maybe then of the three cards that I have and the three cards that they have that, that, we might end up playing that combination of an amazing dynamic game that doesn't exist with the majority of the cards. (laughs) I definitely caveated at the beginning of my statement that it didn't help your, the problem that you're specifically addressing, (laughs) but also I'm saying that as we look toward the future, this game's not even two months old. Sure. Uh, as we look toward the future, there's, it's bright, man. Imagine just, for example, they do a Secret Wars thing, and the, all the Secret Wars thing is, is maybe a packet of tokens and some cards that have specific uh, objectives and new deployment types and new hidden things because there's scrolls everywhere, right? Like, there, there's just an infinite amount of possibilities, and this company has already proven by releasing models like Modoc uh, and also putting in cool counters for like the kill counters for Killmonger that they're willing to play with the mechanics as they go without breaking the game. So I'm willing to give them that, that benefit of the doubt and be the eternal optimist here, even though I know that that means that if you want to have the coolest stuff, you have to buy the toys, but like, why are we doing this if not to buy cool toys? I mean, that's a fair, <laughs> that is a fair point. Because so, they're not the cool toys I want, Kevin. That, that's a you I mean, problem, sir. <laughs> well, we've identified who are the uh, flagships for the This Game is Amazing camp, and it is Chops and Chris. So, gentlemen, <laughs> with that in mind, I'm going to ask you guys to put on your critique cap for a minute. So, Chops. Yeah. 
you know, admitting moving on from the from the Pokemon problem, and we're talking about the objective problem. Is there anything you don't you're not feeling about the game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 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 two things that I really don't feel about this. Game. Okay, the let's thing, hear it. The thing that I really hate, we're going to talk about a little bit later. So I'm going to table that one and save it. Sure. But the other one that I'm not necessarily wild about is actually what we're just talking about right now. In those some of those vanilla objectives, you end up bringing a character out into the game and you have to sit them on an objective. And there have been games that I've played where I've left Black Widow as a two-point model sitting on an objective because that was the best thing that I could do with her to earn points and play, you know, you know, Malifaux, play your schemes, right? You got to right. score points. Uh, and it sucks when it comes to her activation. And I'm like, well, she dances in place activated. It doesn't feel good. Um, I, it, and I think that is a valid and real critique of the game at this point. I totally a hundred percent agree with you. It, it really digs into me from a tactical stance that there's no form of like, passive action that doesn't that can help negate that it's like i understand that they're trying to go for this fast-paced superheroes going at it rush the center let's brawl and throw buildings at each other um and we've already talked ad nauseum about like you know the problem that you know paul and i have with that concept already but like barring a, barring the two that you've mentioned the hulk one and the uh the black panther one the action rules are supporting the methodology of just rush and hold. So you're not getting any power without being attacked or attacking. There's no way to be defensive. So you're relying on having like a superpower like Red Skull does. Um, or you get in position and like you said, you have your Black Widow. Nobody's around and you just sit there and you spin in a circle and go, haha, I score a point for this round. Chris, what are your thoughts on this, man? Yeah, I, I I feel the same way, um, you know, because I think it was either your and I's game or it was Craig and I's game where I sat uh, Iron Man on an objective and he was just useless to me the entire game. You know, and I, and I admit that I made the mistake by putting someone as, as valuable as Iron Man on the objective. But at the same time, it's like no matter who was on that objective, they were going to be useless for me for the whole game. So I, I 100% agree on that, that it is a weak point of the game. Um, I think we're, we're, I don't think you're going to get any argument from anyone here on that one. So can I, can I flip some of that on its head real quick there? Uh, Chris, one of the things you said there was my mistake for putting Iron Man, you know, on such a valuable model on, on objective. But one of the things they've done well is make every model feel valuable. So that no matter who you leave back there, you feel like they aren't contributing nearly as much as they could because they've done right. a good job and I, of making everybody feel special. Yeah, and I agree. And I agree with that. I mean, the reason why I put Iron Man on it was because he is a range model. You know, so my thought process behind it was, okay, he, he can go and camp this, but he can still be effective because I can shoot things. But the problem is, is the battle completely went out of where I wanted the battle to take place. And so he was ineffective. And, you know, I think that, that there's a there's a really valid point here about that. What we're what we're trying to indicate is not tactical mistakes, though. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of if you had chosen somebody else. Like, you know, like a two-point Black Widow or, you know, a Crossbones who's already super slow and is kind of designed to tank and hold his position. Even doing that, I mean, like, let's just breast hacks. Doing nothing with a superhero in a superhero game just feels bad. 
It sucks. Feels bad. Feels bad. It does. <laughs> it even just, even yeah. if it's two point Black Widow, it feels awful. I've played games. She's an amazing model. I've you don't I've want her sitting there where she sat on an objective doing her job and couldn't do anything because the rest of my team was doing their job, so nobody could get to her. And the other model, the the, the uh, Captain Marvel that was closest to her, I was able to position my my Black Widow just out of her range because Captain Marvel couldn't move because if she moved any closer, she would have then been off of the objective that she was camping. So not only did I make my model worthless, I made the opponent's Captain Marvel worthless for the same exact reason. And that's two big models that are out of the game. And and you could argue that that's good tactical decision-making on my part to position mine safely and take their model out of the game. But it's yeah. not. I, and it's I don't just, even know if that, bad. and I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with a little bit of the bad play stick here, actually. And that I think as you play more games, you'll realize that that might not have been the best play. Uh, and, and I want, cause I want to bring this around to a little bit of a bright spot sure. uh, in that, these game games of crisis protocol have an arc over their six turns. Uh, like the first, the first turn, you know, like a lot of war games is getting into position, powering up a little bit. And then you start to get in the seesaw, right? And you guys, and anybody who's played this game knows exactly what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. because every time you get hit in this game, all you can do is grin and think about how much harder you're going to hit someone back after they hit. And the thing about this game and, and what I've noted, even on those models where you're sitting on an objective for me in my games, and now I'm into the dozens of games now, I've found that in the later turns, you often leave the objectives that you were camping in earlier rounds because as that bloodbath happens for the hot potato mission, right? Because generally there aren't that many things that you're holding and moving with. There's a couple scenarios where you have three or four of them, but most of them turn into one, right? So everyone is sort of hunting that hot potato to try to pick it up and score the two or three objective points that's going to be worth at the end of the round. And what what you start to have is lots of days models. And all of a sudden that model that you have sitting out on an objective is the only healthy model on the field. And if it's Black Widow, her taking that double long onto one where your opponent's like, I'm scoring this with these two injured guys. And you're like, ha ha, fuck you. Now I have <laughs> this healthy model on it. And your two jobbers that are both uh, injured are worth nothing. And that will, that very often is your turn four and five, where even the models that are sitting in camping abandon those objectives to wreck what your opponent is doing back on the ones that they think they're holding safely. And if you set your models to be able to make moves like that, I think you'll find less and less that you sit there for an entire game camping an objective. And that, like, that's all I have to say on the matter, I think, is that as the game evolves and the model pool deepens, I think you'll see that that changes. And I think I Shuri is Honestly, actually, I really do. I think Shuri's going to shake it up a lot since she can move models at range five. I think we're going to start to see that just like sitting a model and camping them on an objective isn't viable. Well, she not only that, but she moves model at range five without a, and it's not contested, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like she she just hits you. If she gets a hit off, congratulations. There's no damage roll you're taking here. You're just getting pushed. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, and and that's, and it's going to be the first meta shakeup, right? Where we, we see that this thing that we've started to rely on this objective camping doesn't work. Pokemon got to catch them all, man. (laughs) (laughs) I want to catch them all. 
All right, fellows. Well, I think we've gotten that bad stuff out of the way. So let's uh, let's get a little ugly next up. To be fair, to be fair, there's not a lot of ugly in the game, but there's a couple of things that can throw veteran gamers for a loop at first. One in particular that I that I definitely don't like. But first, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about it. Hi there, this is Owen from the Nova Open, and I am a $5 patron of Third Floor Wars because I love supporting the whole Malifaux community. I want to help Craig and the whole Third Floor Wars team continue making the fantastic content that gets me through my daily commute. You should join me in supporting the show. Just pause this episode, head to patreon.com and search Third Floor Wars, or grab the link in the show notes. See you there. So how much are three or four of these episodes worth to you a month? Third Floor Wars has a Patreon, and if you think they're worth a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars a month, swing by and become a patron. We have polls to decide the next episode of the pod, along with early releases of articles and podcasts. Everything we release goes out to everyone, but sometimes our patrons get a head start. The link is in the show notes, or just search for Third Floor Wars on Patreon.com. Thanks for the support. I want to take a quick minute to thank some of our newest patrons. Uh, we really appreciate your support. Thank you to Andre, LaShawn Allen, Gear Hagen, Dave Gross, Vlad Barl, Gazgul, Robert Singer, Joseph Gerard, Matt Carter, Corinne Soles, and Matthew Overton. We appreciate it. All right, we are back with three men in a war game on the third floor. And before we go any further, what the hell is going on with these range rulers? Chris, I know they're not 10.03 inches long, <laughs> but man, do they throw any previously held notion of range out the window. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, these these range rulers... They're just arbitrary. Yeah, they're, there's... They are. They're, I don't... It is one of the things I have the problem with the range rulers, and I will also say the movement rulers as well too. Even though I'm a little bit more used to the movement tools from Legion because they're the exact same thing. Oh, but, are they? Yeah, they're they're pre- they're the same thing. It's the you know they wrote this the widget that rotates. Um, you know, it's the same kind of thing. But yeah, Fantasy Flight games they have these just I don't know what is their obsession with just wild and wacky range rulers it's in every single one of their games from well it's just it's a proprietary nonsense for, yeah it really it is it's a it, ka-ching it is but when you have you know a two or a three or a five what make it the five inches make it for it like it's so weird to just at least make the four and the two yeah, double themselves right they're not and so and my my issue Outside of the measurement tools of being just arbitrary lengths. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. The four, the four does double itself. The four and the the four is not double the two, is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's an eight. They're they're all double except for the two. The two is a three. It's it's weird. It's weird. I don't like it. It's it is one of the things. It's one of the things I don't like. Um, the other thing I don't like is also the the movement tools when trying to get onto buildings. Um, there, there to me is just should be no way if I'm standing at the bottom of a, a skyscraper, but my measurement tool can reach the top of it. I just automatically get up there and I'm not Spider-Man or Hulk or somebody like that. Like Captain America should not be able to jump from the, from the main street to a third or fifth story, <laughs> but then he's also a crappy character anyway. Um, Raise the vibranium shield. 
<laughs> hate Captain America. Any, any of our listeners know I hate Captain America, but I mean that those are the things. Yeah, they're just it's just weird, man. I don't like them. It's it's it took I think I'm what maybe four or five games under my belt, and I think maybe game four I finally start got started getting comfortable just calling it range four instead of going four inches or you know five inches. It's it, it took a while. It took a couple of games. Well, for me, I think the biggest problem I have is just that every other game doesn't do that so it's like and this was the thing i was talking about before i went to break with like so there's a couple of things that tweak the veteran gamers like every other game uses a standardized form of measurement and then you get here like even song of ice and fire which has its range rulers as well um everything is still rain measured in inches and then you come to Marvel crisis pro con it's like no we're superheroes we don't need fucking inches well i mean to be fair, though, guys, the the rulers are four, six, eight, and ten inches. Like they are, it, if you know how long. I mean, they they do actually have inch measurements. Um, well, maybe they're not exactly four, six, eight, and ten, but they are. They, they are. They're four, six, eight. Absolutely, because because I, I I had a hell of a time playing the game and comprehending it until I played my game with Jim. And we got so frustrated with it that we actually measured the fucking things to find out how big they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, four, and six, until eight, then, ten, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I couldn't, I couldn't estimate anything in my brain or understand how far away anybody was until we sat there and measured them for our own sanity. Yeah. And, and the problem is that the, if you look at it being, and I think it is four, six, eight, and 10 inches, that what that means is that the two plus the three doesn't equal the five, right? And that's the thing that will throw you off. If you're assuming that they are a linear progression when they're not range right. five, it's its own thing. Range four is its own thing. And I think maybe, you know, in, in the simplicity of giving them a number, that's what they had to do. But if they had named the ranges, I don't think that you guys would have the same problems. The problem would be that they'd named the ranges something weird. Um, well, you know, in, in, two things here, Kevin, and <clears throat> I didn't catch it the first time he said it, but the two inch one is, at, or the the measured the generic measurement of two is actually three imperial inches. What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> so close to republic inches. I mean, it's from Legion. Imperial measure. <laughs> no, because it's it's it. Anyway, ignore Chris. So, so the the two is actually three inches. But yes, all the other ones are doubled. And now I completely forgot my <laughs> yes. uh, score. Yeah, I, I guess I don't mind them as much as you, as you guys do. Um, and it, but there is a learning curve, right? You do have to get it out of your head that your range bands are you know four inches, six inches, ten inches, twelve inches, and that you start to understand what range four means, what range five means, and Outside of that, also knowing how far your model moves with its base and its measurement tools, like once you start to understand those things and you can start to grok it out, that's you'll have a much better time. And it is unfortunate, though, that there is that learning curve for the veteran gamer where you're mm-hmm. so used to everything being in logical. Inches. You're so used to everything being logical. Salt. <laughs> it's fair. Well, I think that's one place where having having played some Star Wars Legion has helped that as far as being able to move further than you actually, you know, feel like you should because you're also moving your base distance as well. Right. Um, so I, th- I think that's made it, but, 
friend of both shows, Jim, uh, pointed out way back when that the way it's worded in the rule book is that you just have to end touching the measuring stick, which kind of sounds like you don't necessarily have to end in the slot at the end of it. That's correct. Or even directly on the middle like you do in Legion. So you, as long as you're touching it somewhere along the distance, that's where your model can go, yeah. which gives you even more wiggle room. Yeah, that's how we've been playing it too. So, Yep, that's correct. So that we don't keep harping on the range ruler thing, well, you know, on something that's equivalent to the range. Uh, you brought this up briefly, Chris, when you were talking, just the height thing. I want to talk about the quote-unquote simplicity of the height for a moment. Like, like specifically the fact that it's so simple that it makes everybody overcomplicate it because there's no way it's supposed to work that way, but actually it does. Like, it literally, like, breaks my brain every time I try to comprehend it. Can Paul... Do you think this is good for the game? I mean, it's obviously ugly. I'm going to stab your sword from the ground floor of a skyscraper and somehow hit you. But is it bad? Like, I don't, I'm not convinced one way or the other, but it is weird. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. Um, visualization, it can be really, really hard. Like Chris said, uh, visualizing Captain America just doing a Superman style leap onto the top of a building. Um, I mean, I guess that's superhero-y, but it, it's really hard to visualize it. Like, one of the games, that, or the one game I played with Craig, uh, I had Crossbones at the bottom of the building who, but the nature of being able to attack somebody as long as they're within your range. 2D, as long as they're in your range 2D. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's, you know, that overhead view of, of range. And Captain, Mar Captain Marvel was on top of, like, a height 5 building or whatever, but... He could punch her, so, well, not punch her, but because, you know, your minimum range is three inches, um, was able to hit her. And then with his movement shenanigans, not only did he hit her, but he went from the ground floor to the top floor of the building to be standing base to base with her. Really hard to imagine. And the only way I was able to justify it in my brain visually uh, within the confines of a, of a comic book slash marvel movie is that he shot a grappling hook to the top of the building and accidentally hit her with it <laughs> and then climbed up the building using the grappling hook and was like oh shit there's somebody up here so there's there's times where it makes no sense like that and it and it's and it's not even that it doesn't make sense it's just really hard to visualize and and work into the confines of the game because it's not how things generally work and it is one of those things that's so simple it makes it harder because like that shouldn't be. Um, but gameplay wise, once you adjust to it, I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's more of a, you've played other games problem more than anything else. I think, I think a bigger problem tying back to the range rollers is the fact that your minimum attack is going to be three inches away from people because you're never going to feel like you're actually in there fighting. There it um, is. Everything feels so far away. And, and I think my crossbones example is just another mm -hmm. example of that, where you're never really in there feeling nitty gritty combat. Right. Um, and, and that just ties into the height thing because it's so disjointed that it, you can have Captain America stand at the bottom of, of a height five building and wail on somebody. So I want to stick my ever, uh, Ever my optimist stick in your guys's <laughs> eye here. As long as it's only the eye. Yep. 
Make it the um, left eye. I'm right eye dominant. <laughs> so let me let me get this str- straight out of the gate. I hate this mechanic. I I hate it. The the thing you're talking about where you can hit a model on top of a, a huge scenery piece from the ground I floor. I hear a very big butt coming here. But yeah, there is a, there is a big butt. Um, and 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 Paul hinted a little bit. Rocket boots, grappling hooks, whatever. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens in comic books that would allow for this to happen. But the real thing of it is, and especially when you say you have you have to bear in mind your minimum range is three. No, that is correct, technically correct. But I feel a lot of th- that is the best kind of correct, Kevin. <laughs> I feel a lot of theory crafting here because, in my experience, in the dozens of games that I've played, is when you need to get close enough to hit in melee, and sometimes you are out at that that the tip of range. There three. is no melee, Kevin. There is no melee. Right, hold on, let me finish my point because the even when you're out there, right? There are some times when you you are at three inches, right? You're at your minimum safe distance or whatever, and you hit. But the thing about this game is that most of the time you are trying to get within range one of an objective. And the only way to get within range one of an objective is to get close to another model. And my experience actually playing this game is that that thing where you're talking about not feeling like you're in the nitty gritty does not happen very often. It does happen, but much more often the models are getting very close because they have to get in on objectives. And if you think that's not right, how many times have you unibeamed three models? Things get close in this game and you are theory crafting. I'm accusing all three of you of theory crafting a thing onto this game. No, that no, doesn't no, exist no because practice. it happens every freaking time I play the game. Every time. Because even from your example, why would I move to within base to base or even within one inch of the character that's on that objective when I can position myself to be on the far side of the objective from them and still get them. There's no reason, there's no incentive, but even, there's no reason to get close to each other and feel that Even combat. then, with a game at 40 mil scale, you're only two inches away. Plus, plus the distance of the objective. You're, so it, it's still close. No, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm going to say that I, for me. I, feel, I feel what you're trying to say, Chops, that this is not... This this takes the, this game takes the concept of like the heroic style miniatures to like the nth level. We're not saying, hey, here's a couple of people that are literally getting next to each other with swords and slashing each other, a la Malifaux. We don't have people trying to blender each other in melee combat type thing. What we have is we have two superheroes that are kind of like basically comic book style, just going at it. Yeah, and that doesn't have ranges. That doesn't necessarily have melee to assign to it. It's not melee or ranged combat. It's just your scrum. Just just a general scrum. Exactly. And you guys are also clearly not scared of being thrown into other models if you're not putting yourself into base-to-base with other models. Because the only way to prevent damage of being thrown into other models is to be in base contact. <laughs> so, I, I would like to just point out that I'm not of the same opinion as, as Paul on this one. My, my right, only please. issue with, 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 the, with the measuring tools in the, is the the jumping up the buildings, the the combat. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, the, hate the, it. the 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 fighting being weird, like Zemo on the top of the of the building, throwing you know stabbing somebody with a sword at the bottom of the building. Like, yeah, that's a little arbitrary. But trust me, I have gotten in plenty. I take Hulk into base to base with everything. 
Yeah. With those there's big lot, base there's models, a there's a hundred percent reasons why to do that. Even your small base models, like Spider Man, I throw into base to base with stuff. Like 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 Kev said, like that's the only way to stop taking damage from throws. Yep. Like so, yep. I'm I'm in it. I'm I'm in base to base with with when it comes to melee. Like plus, I also like it from a visualization. I'm like, yeah, cool. I can be three inches away and still hit this person, but it's just really cool having crossbones right in Cap's face to beat him down. You know. Yeah. It, tactically speaking, I li- I really like the ranging concept because it does open up a lot of vectors and a lot of things to be concerned about in that regard. And you don't have to. You don't have to be like, oh man, I'm not in base contact. I can't do anything with this model. I only have to worry about, oh, I'm camping an objective. I can't do anything with this model. Exactly. <laughs> it means the vectors of attack are wide open because you're not like, oh, I can't get another 30 mil base in base contact with you because there's no room, right? There's just a lot more uh, space for craziness to happen because there's a little bit of distance in between the models. And it allows for things like just a disconnect. For th- right, right. And I, I get it. I totally get it. I just feel like in practice, it doesn't pull me out of the game at all. And more often than not, because of the shenanigans of throwing people and needing to get into people's faces to be on objectives and not wanting to take throw damage, like you end up closer. And even when you're not close, again, it doesn't take me out. So I just, I don't have that specific issue. But again, I'm, I'm on record not loving stabbing someone with a sword from the top of a 40 foot building. Yeah, I, I'm never going to reconcile that. I'm never, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's hard. I'm going to do it's it. Tough. I'm totally going to stab Captain Marvel from the ground floor, but I'm going to, I'm going to be <laughs> yeah. salty about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't love it. All right. I think we've harped on nagged on, uh, on Marvel crisis protocol enough here. So let's run it out with some of our favorite things, which will be coming up right after this quick break. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. And so I think what I'd like to do here now is I'd like to get a favorite moment from each of our guests here from Three Men in a War Game or a favorite mechanic, just something about the game that or a game you've played recently that is really like has you chomping at the bit for either more games or to get more people involved in the game. So uh, what comes to mind for me immediately is Chops. You're in a chat with uh, Craig and I, and you mentioned something the other day about an epic encounter you had. Why don't you tell us about it? For sure. So the other day I was playing with my good buddy, Aaron, and uh, I had Ultron on my side doing a little bit of that objective camping we were talking about earlier, and I was getting a little tired of it turn three uh, and realized that his objective camper opposite Ultron was Black Widow, and in between us was a size three house. <laughs> so what I did was I... Oh, row. <laughs> I... <laughs> I popped out from around the corner. Uh, I shot Black Widow really hard, and then I threw the house at her and knocked her out. <laughs> That's a and it was in 
It was incredible. And that's the kind of, that's exactly the kind of moment that makes this game amazing. Like it's just pure comedy that he thought he was safe. Black Widow's just fine. I'm like, wait a minute. She has four health and I can, I have all the power here. I can position one of the strongest range four models in the game exactly where he needs to be that she can't counter very hard and then throw this house at her. Uh, so I did. It was <laughs> who doesn't like throwing houses at their enemies, man? I mean, exactly. Uh, and, and I do also want to mention a favorite mechanic, if you don't mind me doing both. No, absolutely. Go ahead, man. Uh, and and it, bringing us back to the top of the show, we talked about uh, negative play experiences that are in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And I, my favorite mechanic in this game is actually something that eliminates a specific NPE in almost every other minis game. Okay. And that is the Alpha Strike. Oh. There are not Alpha Strikes in this game. Uh, and that is because every every hero has their healthy state and their injured state uh, before they KO. And there is no way to take somebody from their healthy state to their KO state in one turn. They will have a chance to hit you back before they die. Um, and I that is one of my favorite things about this game because it completely eliminates what is one of my least favorite mechanics in other war games. Yeah, it's the whole dive in and just take out as much as you can and hope you take out more than the retaliation does. Exactly. There is none of that. Yeah. yeah. Paul, what about you? Um, I'm just still sitting here going, I don't know. You can still alpha strike pretty well. It's just you got to weather an attack as well either way. Uh, but there's definitely still alpha strikes. Anyway, um, as one of my favorite things in the game, um, favorite moments, and and I talked a little bit about it before. Um, being able to use <clears throat> Modok and Red Skull together to chain together a, a pretty awesome set of uh, activations for Modok um, to be able to take out the Hulk, and then with the bounce off of his whirling chair of doom, also put a whole bunch of damage into Captain America. Um, but one of the other things that was really neat about it was the, the uh, I wanted to call them a tactics card, but that's more Song of Ice and Fire, but using the your, your cards from your hand to also then be able to, yeah, to take uh, Modok and have him smash a giant bus um, to basically power up and, and hit Hulk even harder. Um, so it's just, just one more step of that combination. So <clears throat> the nice thing about Modok is he's really big so he's able to i believe it's up to a size three piece of terrain smash um which then adds three dice so he's essentially rolling nine dice uh on his character. that's why i hate yeah (laughs) yeah because it's it's my favorite move um it's a it's the paul special um I, i i like doing that yeah that's the 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 fast paul special and uh, I mean, just just being able to put some of those things together is is really awesome. Um, so I think that's a that's a nice extra bonus. Um, I mean, some of the cards some of the cards seem like auto takes, and some seem very situational. Um, so maybe that should have been in in some of the bad spot because I, I don't think they they don't all feel equal to me. But I guess maybe that's the idea. Um, but some of, some of them, the good ones, definitely can lead you to really cool situations like that and, and be able to do really neat things. Um, 
and so that kind of that kind of goes into a a good mechanic and a good experience all rolled into one. Well, good experience for you. That was a horrible experience for me. <laughs> Which means it was a good one for me, and, and it yeah, works. There you go, Chris. How about you? Uh, mechanics wise, I I really enjoy the the, the team tactics cards. Uh, you know, the, you've got the iconic abilities like you mentioned earlier. You know, Captain America and the shield with the the Iron Man beam on it so you get things like that but then you've also got you know the, the repulsor blast yeah the repulsor but thank you um <laughs> sorry um so then you got other things that are just come natural just like to hulk like hulk can pick up one of his teammates and just toss them you know and which is kind of cool because with that you can take somebody like cap who's a tank and just pick him up throw him halfway down the field and especially like for the the uh, one that I was doing it was the gamma radiation one so I was able to take cap pick him up and throw him all the way down to the other end of the table and start camping my opponent's objective turn one and get those three points right away so you've got a lot of those combos of those team tactics cards and I really like those it, it brings a whole extra level to your gameplay outside of what your hero's base abilities are. And I think that's what will make the game unique and fun time in and time out playing it, as well as your objectives being changed as we get more objectives in. Um, favorite moment in the game? Uh, I absolutely loved a moment when I was playing Craig. Uh, both of our Spider-Mans were on top of a building, and it was just like, the, it was the meme, man. We were just sitting there pointing at both of each other, trying to take the objective, and it just in my mind, all I could picture is the Spider-Man meme. Nice. Or GIF. Or whatever it is. GIF, GIF. Yeah. So I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. For that. Um, when you when you when you run into a situation like that where you have the two Spider Mans, how do you how do you justify that in your brain that there's two Spider Mans? It's six one four. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's a it's a par- it's a Parker from a different universe. I guess that works. Uh, I also want to uh, Ray, I also want this noted and I wanted to point out that Considering how much Potter says he hates Captain America, he's spoken up, shut up, shut up, every single one of his segments. Because unfortunately, Captain America is that good in this game, and I hate it. So what you're saying is, is that you hate the character, but not enough to not you know play the best. He's, he's too good of a character until we get more models and someone can replace him. Unfortunately, at this point in time, Captain America is just that damn good on the tabletop. He I just think is. Just have a, I think you just have a closet like you know like for Captain America. You just you gotta keep that bad boy. No, reputation. no, no, <laughs> I really don't. All right. Well, I'm gonna close out this segment with uh mine just because uh. I'd l- I l- want we haven't talked about this aspect at all and I kind of want to bring it up a little bit the fact that uh the dice can be spiky as hell is both a good and a bad thing in this game and um my my favorite moment was actually the first game I ever played of MCP I knew was it. I knew it yeah you knew it was coming my doc Ock, who like tanked like six different activations out of like nowhere <laughs> You couldn't roll a goddamn bad roll on defense that day. I couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, but Doc Ock was going to be Captain America for about five rounds. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think I put like two damage on you in those, and and after every turn, and we had like four guys on the table. Yeah, it was, and he was getting focus fire too. It wasn't even like I'm just going to throw a random shot at at Doc. It's like, no, here's two hitters. We're putting Doc Ock down, and Doc Ock was just like, nope, I have tactical superiority. I'm a super genius. You can't get me. 
Yeah, gross. But I do feel that uh, that kind of plays in, though, in a, in a little bit of a sideways kind of thing, where with, with the dice spiking, it does kind of almost feel comic booky, right? You know, sometimes those the hits just land really hard, and sometimes it's like, holy crap, you know, Captain America just tanked an energy blast to the face and got up because he can do it all day. Yep, exactly. And that is that is one of the good things, but that does kind of... Uh, maybe make the game frustrating, but it also puts it so you can't math yourself out of bad situations. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. Okay, can I can I add one more mechanic? Can I steal it in here? Yeah, absolutely, man. Go. For I it. love the double sided parts of the card. Um, the fact that characters like Modok get absolutely thrashed when they go when they flip over to the other side of their card, and because it shows just like how much when Modok is starting to get beaten down, how just horrible he becomes because he's so weak or someone like cap. And I hate that I'm using this reference again, <laughs> but you know, the fact that he gets beaten down and it's just that stupid, naive boy scout in him that just makes him, all right, you've kicked the shit out of me. I'm getting up and I'm getting stronger now because I'm just pissed at you and I'm captain America. I can do this all day. And unfortunately that is an ability he has. And it's a damn good one. <laughs> it is a damn good one. It's such a good. This is why so Cap, I actually prefer Cap to be on his other side, his damage side of his card. I'll tell you what. Um, the next time we play, you can start with him damaged. I, I will do it. I'll do it. I'll take the. I'll take the penalty. I'll take the penalty because the the ability to convert you know uh, was the blanks into defense saves is oh, so it's, good. It's so good because it's so good because um, especially if you're having a bad day. Yeah. yeah. Well, Black Widow has it too, right? On martial arts, yeah. if she's 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 got it natively. She's always got it. She's got acrobatics, right, um, but which, only against physical attacks, right? Correct. Hers is only against physical attack. Caps is caps is beam attack or energy attacks and physical attacks. So again, that Modok's got to come in. You guys are uh, sleeping on Black Panther. Black Panther's healthy. I haven't side. got Black Panther. I, he's, he's, in, on uh, order. he's in the he's box on for order. Me. Like I'm in the middle of moving right now, and I'm yeah. not buying him. Oh, you guys need to take his card out and look. He's got that on the front of his card. Oh, God. The vibranium armor. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's Black Panther. I would expect him to be yeah. real good. There's your replacement. There's your replacement. He's like, yeah, man. he's uh, well, well, he's the opposite of Captain America, where when he t- he's on his injured side, he loses the strength of his vibranium armor. The vibranium. Yeah, yeah but he's yep. so much tougher um, to get to that side because he has it. He is. I, he I, stays healthy longer. He is. Yep, he's very good. And I just, I'm just going to say that I really feel, and this may be more for a closing remark, but I really do feel like the game designers have shown the love that these characters deserve and the rules that they've built and the theming that they build with these characters. I, I really do think that they, they understand the source material and they have an appreciation and, and a love for it, and it shows on how they've designed these characters. I totally agree with you. And it's like, it's, especially considering like the, game, the issues we've talked about today, Really, in the grand scheme of thing, I'd say they're fairly minor. They're minor issues that either are dealt with by just grokking out whatever the we're not comfortable with because of our veteran status as gamers. That doesn't sound elitist at all. Um, or whether it's like something that can be adjusted through future releases. We do really have just a great experience on our hands with MCP. I still feel it's kind of a little bit of beer and pretzels, Here, but it's it's a great wait, experience. Let me let me expand go on that real quick. Oh, go ahead. Here's the thing. It's not a great game, but it does everything well. It does other than other than hype. Everything it does, it does very solidly. 
the thing is, it doesn't necessarily bring anything new to work. Howdy, friends. Craig so if this here. was a third edition Malifaux release, it's time for you to get a new map with new deployment zones. <laughs> We've tried every map in the business, and nobody has better quality and selection than maps by Mars. They're waterproof, and they roll and roll easily, and they're even race marker compatible. Oh, I've been we holding on to that one for months. And let you add M3 <laughs> overlays well, for making deployment and positioning a breeze. And then we're going to talk about what's got us by Mars. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect map, Use the promo code Third Floor to get ten percent off your entire order. If you really want to support us, in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code Third Floor to get a ten percent discount. Details are in the show notes. All right. So before we close out. Can we talk about the raid that Asmodee recently released with Ultron? Have any of you had a chance to play it yet? I have not. I have not. Um, I unfortunately came in at the tail end when a, a group of guys here in the local meta were, were playing it. Um, they seem to enjoy it. There was definitely some comments that they made about it was there are definitely some things you want to take certain heroes in it and some don't do so well. Like Hulk. Uh, with, yeah, I think so. I think that was one of the ones they were mentioning. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm excited to see what it does. I, I'm really excited to see what the Thanos one's going to be like. Oh, God, um, yeah. I know, I know Atomic Mass. I think they did a Twitter post today kind of breaking down the Thanos raid a little bit more. Uh, but obviously haven't given us specific details. But the, the, the raid mechanic as a whole, outside of the Ultron one, is it, something that really excites me. Um because when we first saw Thanos and they start first started br- br- talking about the whole raid mechanic, um, I think, I think Paul, I think you were the first person that really put it in my brain of just like, if we ever get X Men, like raiding a Sentinel is going to be amazing. Oh, dude, that would be so. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I just the, the raid mechanic definitely brings uh, a lot of depth. I know the one guy that was playing Ultron. Uh, I don't think he had as much fun playing the game as Ultron. Uh, so I'd have to talk to him a little bit more to see what his thoughts are and or play myself as Ultron to try and get that viewpoint. Right, because it's just one person playing the one character against two yes. people playing multiple characters. So Correct. I can, I can see where there might be a little bit of eh. I think I think you have to be the type of person that wants to be the, the DM or, or wants to take on that role of just right. being like, hey, friends, fuck you. I'm going to ruin your night. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah. So, so you can sign up for that, Paul. Absolutely. But uh, but personally, uh, rating is the thing that took me from this game of being very uninterested to to having the interest in the game. Okay. Um, rating is the rating is the thing that I'm I'm most interested and in, want to partake of more than any other part of the game. So I I'm still have to try out the Ultron raid and see how it goes. Um, but my hopes are high. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. The whole Ray concepts just hit me on a nice little fluffy. Oh yeah, level I'm super excited for like Ultron. I want to. Yeah, I want mm-hmm. Vision to get released now because I need to have Vision versus Ultron. Oh yeah, uh, his card looks good. Uh, I I'm excited for Vision. He's a character that I've never really cared about. Like when they brought him into the MCU, I was like, meh, whatever. It's Paul Bettany in person. I love Paul Bettany. Cool. Um, but other than that, like Vision's never really I cared about. But then I saw his card. I was like. And they explained how like beam attacks really work with it in combination to his rules. And I'm like, uh, he's going to be really good. Yeah. 
All right, so let's let's keep this train of thought going for the the upcoming things that are kind of making you go, oh yeah, let's get this. Uh, hands down for me is going to be Venom. Uh, he's been spoiled. He's insane. I want him. Period. Um, and then I want Ghost Spider and Miles Morales as well. I think they come in a two pack together. I just I basically just want Spider friends. That's that's pretty much it. That's that's my goal. So are we talking about things we wish we could get or things we know we're getting on the horizon? I mean, I would prefer things that we know we're getting, but we'll we'll yeah. touch on the wish we're getting in a minute. Yeah, I I am really really excited for that Rocket and Groot pack, man. I <laughs> oh yeah, just I want it so bad. Um, <clears throat> also, I was doing a little looking after reading the interview with Will Schick today on which models are coming with Infinity Gems, and I uh, saw that Star Lord comes with one. So oh nice. Yeah, nice. so I'm uh I'm also looking I'm looking forward to that a lot more than I was before, um and I, I he also comes with the squad affiliation probably for guardians, so mm. that'll be neat. Uh, and I think outside of that, the as guardians are what I'm most excited for. Oh yeah, rocking that Thorn, ladies and uh, Valkyrie, I think it is. Yes, sir. Valkyrie. Yep. Yep. Nice. So, Chris, what about you? What's on your watch list? Uh, for me right now, um, it's as the the Asgardians are right there up on the top for me. Their models are just so stellar. Um, I, I think the other one, too, that it's a surprise for me that I didn't realize is Thanos' lackeys. Uh, they look so I, good. I, I've never was... A lot of my experience with Marvel Comics as a kid was just X-Men, you know, and then sure. I kind of I kind of jumped in after Crisis. So it was a lot of this, you know, like the whole Tony running away and Hammer and all this stuff. So I never really got into the whole like Thanos invasion and, and the Infinity Gauntlet and all that stuff. But those models just look so good that they that that's draw me in. I'm excited for those. Paul? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Ray. There isn't a single model that's announced right now that I'm interested in. I mean, that's fair. Not a single one. You know, I was having a conversation with uh, somebody the other the other day about this, that uh, they have no interest in Marvel Christ Protocol at the moment, but the second X-Men gets announced, they're going all in. Yeah, I'm saving mine for the, the, the hopeful wish list, but I mean, yeah, I... I mean, I'm kind of interested in Venom, but I don't feel the need to rush out and, and get them. Sure. Um, but, I mean, other than Venom right now, all of the rest of them I look at and go, meh, I don't yeah. care. That's fair. I'll be interested to see, like, moving forward, like, uh, with the additional releases, if there's anyone that suddenly makes you go, oh, God, I have to get this. Well, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you in a minute what it is. I can already tell so, you one. Okay. All right. So I think that's it for everything we got going on, my friends. It's been awesome as always. No, we got to do our wish list. You were going to do wish list. Wish list. I thought wish we were holding up on wish list. Well, let's do wish list then. What you, let's start with you, Paul. What do you got in your wish list? I got three. There's three yeah, wish lists that will make me super excited. Uh, yeah. First one, Punisher. Oh. Jump right in on Punisher. Yeah, um, totally. Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine. Yep. I fair. Those are the three that I want, and and I'll have a lot more interest in the game once I have them. That's fair. Paul, or not Paul? Sorry, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, X Force, and I'm going the Cyclops led nice. Angel, uh, Archangel, Wolverine, X23. Um, that team of X Force uh, that it really excites me because of how brutal and gritty those comics were. Uh, other than that, I am looking forward to Defenders. 
Okay, very nice. Chops? Um, I'm at a, a crossroads in that I really want um, Sinister Six as an affiliation and a crew of models. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Uh, also, I would love the Inhumans and Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are, I'm going to be the nice. weird guy that's like reading a lot of modern Marvel comics and loving modern Marvel stuff. Uh, I, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you there. The, the only model I am like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs wish that they would release and hope they do. I would love a lady Thor. Oh yeah, man. Oh or, yeah, I, I think dude. we'll I think we'll get that after Thor three, uh, Thor four, and a Beta Ray Bill. Oh boy, let me get a Beta Ray Bill. I am not sold on Beta Ray Bill, but I was never a big fan of necessarily that particular comic <laughs> arc. But I respect Beta Ray. But yeah, Lady awesome. Thor, like I'm I am in it to win yeah, it. I'm, with Lady I'm Thor. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Especially if they do, especially if they do Thor Odin's son. Like if they did a pack. Like Thor, Odin, Son, and Lady Thor. Hang oh, with me dude. for a second. For uh, for imagine that uh, Miss Marvel's mechanic is that she doesn't have a dazed side. She just when she runs out of like when she runs out of wounds, she dies. Right, but she has a card to embiggen or an ability to embiggen, so she can like do different things with flipping her card back and forth by making herself her oh man or, or just whatever right cool. there's like lots of cool stuff you could do with that character sure um so there yes excited and obviously sinister six right you want your spider friends i want the opposite you know and that means that we just have to find a way to meet up at some point and i'll pit my spider friends versus your sinister six and oh hell yeah 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 a stream for the ages brother yes sir and and Chops talking about Miss Marvel also reminded me that I completely neglected to mention Squirrel Girl. See, I was hoping you'd come oh, back around dude. there. That'd be tight. Yeah, because because and Squirrel Girl would just make it amazing. And and yeah, exactly. And think about it, because then you have the opportunity to have like a, a base, a thirty mil base with, with tippy toe on it. So this way you can send out and fuck with other other models. Um you know, and and figure out some way to get her to to convince other models to to leave play. You know, man, um, the best two point know, model ever will be Squirrel Girl. She'll be the best two point model, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like she, like she doesn't need to engage anybody. That's not what she does. She could have like like she could be like uh, Mortimer from from Malifo, where she has like a chatty. I ability. was literally just thinking that that very thing. Like, just give her like a chatty aura, where it's like her special superpower is like four power. You don't get to activate because we're having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Or you don't. It would be so great. You don't count like, as you know, just make her be able to one shot Thanos. <laughs> oh jeez, I'm not on board with the Squirrel Girl stuff like these guys are. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're wrong. I, I have, I've absolutely, I've absolutely never read any of her comics. I know nothing about Squirrel Girl outside of the fact that she is a Great Lakes Avenger that has somehow become super mainstream. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, it's either her or Dinosaur. I think people made the right choice. Uh, I feel that's correct. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait for her Disney Plus uh, TV show. <laughs> is that actually a thing? No, I'm just I'm, I'm just that. saying oh, okay. everything right now is rumored to be a Disney Plus show. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. I'm oh, not Moon wrong. Knight. Let me get some Moon Knight and Dracula. I was about to say, I was wondering where Moon Knight was for you. You were hitting he's him my, strong in our episode. My B, he's my B tier wish list for oh, sure. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. He was your B tier. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, I would kill for some Moon Knight. 
but yeah anyway we're we're going long in the tooth here <laughs> and that's no worries guys that's the passion right mm-hmm. oh it's been awesome they don't get i actually don't get to hang out without yeah let me try that again holy shit <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been awesome, guys. We don't get to hang out near enough. I mean, Chops, I know you're not local here, unfortunately, but I live literally 10 minutes away from Paul and Potter, and I barely ever see those guys. So I think we need another MCP day or some form of gaming day. Get together and actually, like, you know, throw some minis on the table. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Third floor is awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, everybody. I encourage you guys to check out Three Men in a War Game on your favorite streaming platform if you don't already. They release content regularly, and they're equal parts hilarious and infuriating. You will spend money that you weren't supposed to. I am warning you now, you will spend money, especially if Chops has found a new passion and is trying to convince the entire universe to jump on, because he will. Um, We'll put links to their podcast in our show notes. Is there anything else you guys want to plug? I just, if you're in the Raleigh area and you're interested in playing MCP, come on out Wednesday nights at Game Theory in Raleigh. Uh, myself or Britt would be happy to run you through a game. Uh, we are the coordinators for it. So if you liked what you heard here today, come on out and we'll be more than happy to help you out. Awesome. Paul, Chuck. The other, the other thing I want to plug real quick, um, and, and I'll have Ray put it in his show notes, but uh, we have a Discord and there's lots of awesome people talking about games and posting funny memes and discussing awesome movies and shows. And it's an all around awesome community. So come join us and, and hang out. I will actually second that. Yeah, obviously our uh, podcast as well, despite the fact that we argued a lot in this, we actually get along swimmingly. And most of the time we're in uh, good agreement and have good discourse. So if you liked listening to us ramble about it's this fine. game. You can come listen to us. Hey, there's plenty of podcasts love to go around. You can come uh, listen to us at, at Three Men in a War Game. We're on Stitcher, uh, iTunes, all the places you down, Podbean, everywhere you download a podcast. Check us out. Spotify. Spotify, all those spots. All the crazy places. All right, guys. Again, thank you so much. Look forward to having you guys on again soon. And thank you to our listeners and all our subscribers and patrons. If you want to get notified of our next podcast release, please make sure you subscribe. And don't forget to like and subscribe to us on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out at thirdfloorwars.com. And don't forget, patrons get early access to all of our podcasts, so be sure to check us out on Patreon. Catch you all next time on The Third Floor. Bye. Bye. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. While you're there, check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up. How does your conference compare to the others in the United States? Where do you rank nationally? Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. Howdy friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Paul, I just thought of something really funny. 
Imagine a person hears this podcast for the first time on Third Floor Wars, and then they go and li- and then and then that that's the first time they've been exposed to you and me. And then they go and they listen to the episode that you just released today. Oh, did you guys go at it in that one too? No, dude, it was a like sixty-five minute circle jerk, dude. I'd like to plug my podcast. I'm really glad you said podcast there. Oh, Jesus, what would he have said? His butthole. It's because you are the master. Baiter. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can bait a hook like anybody else. That's definitely what I meant. What do you think I was talking about? Well, Ray, send the file over to Paul because there's our stinger. <laughs> as long as none of them call me Gene, you ignorant slut. <laughs> not yet not yet we're getting there oh Ray I'm sorry for the swears you're okay we're gonna put a warning from what I understand <laughs> I love that we need a warning <laughs> warning three men in a war game are present on this podcast <laughs> as soon as I said it I was like god damn it I was so good this whole like, in my head I was like I was so good this whole podcast I had to drop an F-bomb <laughs> You did, brother. You're like you're jacked up. It's like this is bullshit. You guys are dunking on my game. <laughs> I'm turn this around. I'm gonna LeBron this shit and just. <laughs> did you buy back into Song of Ice and Fire? It's got nothing to do with tabletop games. <laughs> Tell me. God, damn it. <laughs> yeah, He's I don't know. Well, classic. The fuck? Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus! He's in my guild. See, it, if you would have, if you would have presented me, I'm not that. I'm, honestly, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm, disapp- I'm, I'm not, disappointed I'm in me. Okay. Disappointment would really require enough caring to have emotion. I, I, I log, I logged in today just for two seconds, and he was already like six levels more than when I last saw him. I was like, dude, did you log off today? What, what I will say is. You did this you to yourself. You done goofed. You done. <laughs> you did this to yourself. Whatever happens. That that's what happens when you get a new computer and you're dog sitting and alone and bored and you go, "Well, I have fifteen dollars. What's what's the worst that can happen?" No, man. That's when you buy Hollow Knight. You fucking <laughs> moron. <laughs> Um, I don't think so. Um, I don't think I actually gave you guys a second to say thank you and reply to me. So if you could just give me a, you know, a reply thanks so that I can splice it in somewhere. That's pretty much all I need. Like a thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> reply thanks. Splice it in somewhere. I hate you all. <laughs>